0: So I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to the book of James, chapter 5, the book of James, chapter 5. We're coming to a very important place in the book of James when it comes to what God wants in our lives in the last days. What does God want in our lives in the last days? Not what you want in your life in the last days, but what does God want in our lives in the last days? And as we turn to our Bibles, to the book of James, verse 7, we're going to dismiss the youth out right now. So we're going to James chapter 5. The youth can go back out with Hosea as they have their own message back as well. So what does God want in our lives in the last days that we're living in? He's already told us, James, that we're living now for the will of God. We ought to be living in the will of God and not to trust in earthly riches or fall in love with materialism. Notice that, that we are not to trust in material riches or not to trust in earthly riches, but trust in God. And now here he's going to encourage us. Notice this, that patience, this is a key word here. Patience is important in the season of suffering or in the season of trouble. Patience is so important. And if there are one thing that we are going to learn, or several things that we're going to learn here in the text that we're going to go over, is that patience and perseverance is a character trait that God wants to develop in us. God wants to develop in us patience, and He wants to develop in us now uh, perseverance. He wants to develop in us character now. And the way that He oftentimes does that, how He develops patience, and perseverance and character is by now forcing us to wait on His timing. <laughs> have you ever noticed that oftentimes we have to wait on God's timing? And what that is doing is producing maturity in your life? We don't like to wait. But what waiting is doing is pers- producing perseverance and patience. That way, that's why today the title of the message is The Power of Patience. Write that down, church. The Power of Patience. There's so much spiritual value in patience. In fact, in the first chapter, James said, let patience have its perfect work so that you can grow now. We have to pay attention to this because we are going to miss out on very important lessons when you become impatient in suffering. You notice that when you become impatient in suffering, you miss out on what God had for you and the spiritual value that He had prepared for you in that season of trouble and trial. There are things that He wanted you to learn that you will not learn if you become impatient. Just think about Moses and the nation of Israel. Now Moses and the nation of Israel are an example now of impatience in that they did not or some of them did not enter into the promised land because they became impatient. Impatient. And they were able to enjoy the promises of God because of that. In Numbers chapter 21 verse 4 it says, Then the people of Israel sent out of, from Mount Hor taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient. Notice this. With a long journey. Are you becoming impatient with the long journey that you're in right now? Are you becoming discouraged because of the long journey that God has you in, but therefore He wants to teach you in this journey? Just think about Moses as well. That he became impatient with the people and he struck that rock that God told him to speak to. And because he became impatient and misrepresented God, he robbed himself of entering into the rest and the promised land that God had for him. Now notice this, when Satan attacks, just like he was attacking Through persecution, the Jewish believers in the book of James, when Satan attacks our lives, it's easy for us to become very impatient now and to run ahead of God instead of waiting for God and waiting for His timing and waiting for His blessing. Why is it that we become so impatient? Because we don't like change. And we want our timing to be now. We want the Lord to take us there today. We want the Lord to bless us now with those promises right now. And we are very uncomfortable with change. I was telling some of the leaders this morning that yesterday I was on the phone. With a representative just talking to a company. I'm trying to make arrangements for my family to take some time away. And and I was talking to this gal on the phone. And I was telling her, excuse me, thank you so much for the information that you just gave me. But if I call back, is the information going to be consistent Or is it going to be something different? (laughs) How many of you guys ever received something different when you called back? So is it going to be the same or is it going to be something different? And she said, sir, and it really impressed me. Sir, the only thing that is consistent right now is change. (laughs) I was like, Lord, thank you. Why is it that oftentimes... We become very uncomfortable or impatient in the season of change. The only thing that is consistent in our lives, oftentimes in seasons like this, is change. And God wants to teach us patience, perseverance through that trial, through that trouble now, endurance in those moments. Because you cannot have character without endurance, you can have perseverance without endurance. It's all developed now through now that trial, through perseverance, that character is built. And this text right here is so important so that we don't live discouraged lives. Oftentimes we're so emotionally swayed that we don't grow. We're so discouraged. We're so ungrounded now because we lack patience. And we go from one place to the other place, or so we're uprooted, we don't wait on the Lord, we're emotionally swayed. We go from, from one thing to another thing, and we never really learn what God wants us to learn because we lack patience. Stop moving so quickly. Slow down. Listen to God. What does He want from you today? James chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, be patient. <laughs> Brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the former waits. For the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure, you have heard of the perseverance of Job and seeing the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by hell or earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We ask, God, that you would develop in us patience, durability, perseverance. Lord, thank you because... What patience does, Lord, it allows us to wait on you. And I ask that in trials and tribulations and suffering, Lord, we do not become impatient and miss out on the value and the lessons that you have for us. Lord, teach us to learn. Teach us to wait. In Jesus' name, together we said... Now, notice here, he's going to start by telling us to first, number one, take courage. First, number one, to take courage. And he says, therefore, now, speaking on the fact that we are living in the last days, and the last days were so important in that time as it is in today's time, now, therefore, speaking to a church... That is going through trials and through tribulations. Notice this now. He says, therefore now, with that in mind, you are going through trouble. You are being persecuted now. Therefore, take courage and be, number one, patient now, brethren. And he's talking here to the church. He's saying, be patient, brothers and sisters, until when? When do we have to be patient until? Until the coming of the Lord. You see, that is until when you should be patient. You should be patient until the coming of the Lord until God comes and takes his church but not also patient not only patient for that patient now for the ruler and authority that God establishes his kingdom here on earth. We have to be patient for that. And the word patient means endure. Endure with one another. And the word patient also speaks about us, me and you now, going through suffering and to remain under a heavy burden or a heavy load now when you would like to run away or to now be very elusive of the season that God has you in. We want to we run away from it. But we're being patient. We're choosing to stay under that heavy burden and to carry that load. We're being patient, enduring now. And he's calling us here to endure and to wait now until the Lord's return. Now, do you see that this is an encouragement, and exhortation for us until the Lord comes to wait and to endure? Both of those things go together. To endure, but also to wait. Enduring. You, oftentimes, we don't like to endure, but we are called to not only endure, but also wait as we endure. See, patience and waiting, endurance, is essential for the Christian life. So that me and you can be found faithful at the coming of the Lord. You see why he says, wait and be patient until the coming of the Lord? Because if you wait, and if you are patient, and if you are enduring in the season that God has you in, at the coming of the Lord, you're going to be found faithful. See, how we wait will determine how will we will be found. How you are waiting today will determine how you will be found at the coming of the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those and comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. James is telling the church to be patient with one another. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, what does Paul tell the church of Galatia? He says this, And let us not grow weary, don't go tired of doing good. For in due season, in God's time, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. In due season, in God's time, wait. You're going to reap if you don't get discouraged, if you don't lose heart. If you are found faithful waiting diligently, you will be blessed now. And notice this. He's saying be ready for his soon return because he's coming again. That's the number one reason that should motivate us to be patient, because Jesus is coming again. When you lose patience, notice what happens. You're going to start doing things that God did not call you to do, and you will not be found faithful at the coming of the Lord. In Titus chapter two verse thirteen, you know what Titus says? Well, Paul tells Titus, says, "Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God and Savior Jesus Christ." You know why I'm patient? Because I'm looking forward. To the hope and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his appearing again. Your patience serves as a preparation for when Jesus comes again. But this is he gives us an example now in verse, in the second part of verse 7. And notice how he says, How we ought to be patient, brethren, to the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer, notice here, not only he endures, but the farmer now waits. The first patient speaks about an endurance. The second patient speaks about a waiting. Now, these are two things that God wants us to know when it comes to patience. Endure, and look at how the farmer does it. He waits. Notice how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently, enduring and waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Now, one of the things that is important for us to realize is that if a man or a woman is impatient, they ought not to become a farmer. (laughs) Because farming requires a lot of patience. And this is exactly why he uses a farmer now as an example for us. He says, I want you to wait for the coming of the Lord, and I want you to endure this season and these trials and these troubles until the coming of the Lord like a farmer. (laughs) Now, notice how a farmer waits. Now, how does a farmer wait? A farmer waits a long time. And the reason why a farmer is willing to wait a long time is because he's waiting for the precious fruit. Because what he's waiting for is precious. The fruit is precious. The fruit is worth waiting for. Now, I want you to know that. The fruit is worth waiting for. Oftentimes, we want to settle for second best Because we don't want to wait for what God has for us today or even tomorrow. So we say, Lord, give it to me now. But a farmer, what does the farmer do? He waits for the precious fruit. And what does he wait? He waits depending on one thing. Waiting on what? The early and the latter rain. Now, do you think that the farmer has absolutely any power to control the early or latter rain? Absolutely not. The farmer has no control over these things. But he's depending upon early rain. What's the early rain? The early rain in fall to prepare that soil now or to soften the ground for that seed to grow. And the latter rain, which is in spring now, immediately before the harvest, he waits for those two seasons of rain so that it can produce precious fruit during harvest time, mature crops. See, the problem sometimes is is that if you were a farmer, And you were to go before the latter rain, before the crops are ready, and you pull those crops. Do you think those crops are going to be of any value in your life, those fruits? Absolutely not. Because you didn't wait for that latter rain. And here he's saying, wait like a farmer. Wait faithfully, wait diligently for the harvest that God has in your life. Wait, because God has a plan in mind even when you don't understand it. Wait as you're waiting for the Lord's soon return. Wait for the spiritual harvest, the spiritual fruit. Now notice this. God is producing a spiritual fruit or harvest in our lives if we wait the way He wants us to wait, obediently and diligently. And what does that fruit look like? It looks like the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And in the trial, in the trouble, in the suffering now, the fruits of the Spirit now are being produced in our lives if we are living obediently. What are the fruit of the sp- Spirit? Love, joy peace, patience, kindness. As we're waiting on the Lord, these fruits are being produced. And oftentimes these fruits, the only way that God can produce them is as as He protects us and He takes us through that valley now of trial and trouble now. So instead of growing impatient, we must permit the fruit to grow. Today say, Lord, I'm not going to grow impatient. Right now where I'm at, as I'm waiting for Your soon return, I'm going to let the fruit in my life grow because I know fruit takes time. Now, how foolish would it be to go in and sow a seed and the next day go and expect some fruit? It'd be so foolish because it takes patience now to receive harvest. And with that same patience, that same waiting, the same endurance, this is exactly what he's saying. I want you to endure just a little longer now, even in this season. And maybe today you feel like giving up. Nothing's going to change. The season is taking so long. When, is, when are we going to go back to normal? When is it that I'm going to get out of this place that I've been in for such a long time? And God here is encouraging you today through the book of James to be patient, to just endure that heavy burden and wait until the coming of the Lord because He's producing a special fruit even right now. You know, oftentimes we become very emotional because you lack patience. Very emotional. And there are people that become very discouraged or very frustrated because they lack patience. And it's very difficult to fulfill commitments. It's very difficult to fulfill responsibilities. It's very difficult to grow, almost impossible to grow if you lack patience. Oftentimes the discouragement in our lives will happen because we are not where we think we need to be. Instead of where God wants us to be. And you become very discouraged and frustrated. But here he's saying, you know what patience looks like? It looks like spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Therefore, endure this trial and wait like a farmer waits for fruit until the coming of the Lord. Now it says, verse 8, You also be patient, just like the farmer, and establish your hearts. Take courage. Don't be discouraged. Be committed. Be ready. Get your heart ready now. Focus on this now as you are patient. Establish your heart. Be encouraged. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. What is it that I have to look forward to in this trial? What is it that in this season I have to look forward to? Is it for the season to be all over? What, what takes us or what carries us from one season of trial to another? Because it, it oftentimes seems that, that when one season finishes, another one begins. <laughs> you know what it's exactly that carries you from one season to another? That you're focused on the coming of the Lord that is at hand. And he's saying for those that are going through persecution here, church, For those that are ready to collapse under this pressure that you feel, man, this pressure is too heavy. I'm ready to collapse under the pressure of this tribulation now. He says, I want you to patiently endure knowing what is awaiting you. Do you see how you get strength through the power of the Holy Spirit? You receive strength through the power of the Holy Spirit as you know what is awaiting you. I can go through this trial because I know what's awaiting me. I can bear this burden because I know what's next. I know that this suffering is not forever because I'm waiting for the coming of the Lord who is at hand now. In Luke chapter 12, verse 43, we see the words now of Jesus that say this, if the master returns and finds that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. How will the Lord find us? Will he find us faithfully and diligently doing what he's called us to do? That there's going to be a reward for our faithfulness now? He's saying, take heart. Take courage. Establish your heart. Get your heart ready now. Because Jesus is coming again. Don't become discouraged. Don't sit out on the sidelines li- side because you're discouraged because of what's happening, out, happening in your life. Take courage. But notice, notice now in verse 8 as he continues, For the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then he shifts now and says this. And while you're going through this trial, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. (laughs) Now, do you see that James always likes to talk about our speech, about our tongue? And he says, as you're going through suffering, one of the things that I don't want you to do is to be grumblers. As you wait. You know, we, we oftentimes say, I'll wait. But as you're waiting, all you're doing is complaining. You complain about how long you have to wait. Fine, I'll wait. But the whole time you're just complaining. Fine, I'll wait or I'll put up with this person. But you just want to complain about them. And hear what he's saying. Don't grumble here against one another. Why is he saying that? Because oftentimes, throughout times of hardship, it can cause us to be less loving with each other as Christian brothers or sisters. Stop complaining about one another now as you're going through this trial or through this season. Don't grumble. This is an exhortation for those that are in the church. For as believers, wherever we go, stop complaining about your brother or your sister due to the trials that you're facing now, looking for who to blame. You see, in in the self-serving world and self-absorbing and arrogant culture that we live in, when we go through a trial, guess what? We want to do right away. We want to complain. And whose fault was this? It wasn't our fault. This is this person's fault. That's why we're still in this trial. And we start to complain. And what James is saying, when you're going through trials here, stop complaining. Stop blaming one another. And he tells us why we ought to stop blaming one another. Because here what happens is that you lost patience with your brother and sister. Therefore, you start to complain about them. When you lose patience with them, you will start to complain about them. And when you're always complaining, it's really a sign of immaturity. Oftentimes, when we lose our patience with God's timing, we also lose our patience with God's people. And we ought to be very patient with God's timing and, and submit to God's timing so that we don't lack patience when it comes to His people. And he's saying, don't grumble here against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned, lest God hold you accountable to what you said about your brother or sister. Don't complain about them, because you're impatient that you're in the season. God's going to hold you accountable and you will be condemned or judged based off what you said about one another. Now think about the farmer right before this verse. What does the farmer do? The farmer is so willing to help and he doesn't complain farmers so are so willing to help one another they have a willingness now to help one another he's saying when you complain notices you're going to be held accountable for that paul tells the church in philippi in philippians chapter 2 verse 14 he says do all things without complaining or and disputing Have you ever met someone that every time you want to get something done, you have to go through uh, just a a moment of discussion, a moment of complaining before you start to do anything? He says, Do all things without complaining or arguing. Why is it that every time you put your hands to do something, you have to complain and then argue in every season? Stop arguing. Stop complaining about one another. Love one another as you're going through this season. When God puts you in a in a in, a, in a fiery furnace with somebody else, it is not so that you can complain about one another. It is so that God can grow you there together. Together. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were in the fiery furnace there, all three of them. What did the king Nebuchadnezzar, what did he find in, the, in there? He found one as the angel of the Lord that was in the fire with them. And what did they learn, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That God was with them in the fiery furnace. God is with you in the fiery furnace. Therefore, we ought not to complain about one another. And in the second part of verse 9, it says, Behold, or look, the judge is standing at the door. This is amazing. This is why we shouldn't complain. Realize that the judge, who is God now, we are not God, we are not the judge. He's standing at the door. We're called to unity now. He's standing at the door. It means he's coming at any moment now. So stop complaining. And I love this illustration that he gives us. That the Lord was coming again. and, and, And just as important as it was then it is today. It's an illustration of a judge that is about to open the door to the courtroom now. And walk in and to take a seat. What would you do if you knew a judge in a courtroom was about to open the door and walk in and take a seat. There would be a respect and a reverence that was due. Stop complaining because it is, God is so close. God, His coming is so close. It is almost as if He's about to open the door and now walk in and take His seat. Now He's encouraging us that our present trials should never, and our present discouragements should never lead us to disobedience should never lead us to disobedience. And he cautioned them against this because it's, it's, it's sin. Remember your accountability that you have. We must all now appear before the, the, the judgment seat of the Lord, and we're going to have to give an account of what we said about that person. And this coming is so close, so stop your now complaining and consider your ways. And notice as he goes now in verse 10, he says this, My brethren... Take the prophets. Now he's going to give us a second example. Not only the farmer, but also the prophet. Look at the prophet now, how he endured. Or the prophets of times past, who spoke in the name of the Lord, or who spoke on behalf of God. Look at our brothers and sisters as classic examples of endurance now and suffering. These men and these women in Scripture now that experience suffering, but also practice perseverance. I'm going through suffering, but am I practicing perseverance now? Think about Paul. He was in the will of God, but he suffered many persecutions. And oftentimes, while we're in the will of God, our obedience now it's going to take us to a place now of trial. The obedience will cost us the cross. And he, what he's saying here, look at them as, as classic examples now Prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience at the same time. Suffering and patience at the same time. You know, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, The ought to realize this. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will suffer persecution. You want to live a godly life? You're going to go through some persecution. You're going to go through some trials. You're going to go through some troubles. But look at the prophets in God's word through scripture, that yes, they were in the will of God, yes, they were being obedient to God, and they suffered persecution, and they were practicing persistence and perseverance. We have to look at them as examples for our lives. I love what Warren be said that we mentioned it before. He says, the will of God will never lead you to where the grace of God cannot keep you or sustain you. God will never allow you to go to a place and His grace will never allow you to go to a place where His grace can't keep you or sustain you or carry you. That's what he's saying. Now notice the prophets. In fact, in verse 11, it says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. We, We honor them because they endured even through suffering. We look at Paul's life and it inspires us to finish the race well, to be poured out as a drink offering because of everything that he had to go through, yet he finished Well, and they were, their lives were testimonies of perseverance, of, of durability, of those people that, that passed the test now of tribulation. That finished well now. Notice how they can impact our lives. Their faithful lives can impact other lives as they, as they practice the power of patience and perseverance. They're a testimony for other people. That's what we look to them. And it says here, indeed we count them blessed or we look to them with honor. Those who endure, you have heard of the perseverance of Job. You see Job and all these prophets from before time, why were they written in scripture? They were written in scripture for our learning. When we talk about Paul, when, when we talk about Timothy, when we talk about Job, when we talk about all of these prophets that went through suffering, these are classic examples for me and you to look up to and say, Lord, thank you for that testimony in their lives of perseverance in the middle of suffering because now I also can persevere in the middle of suffering. In fact, he gives us another example. Look at the perseverance of Job now. And look at, and see how Job persevered even in the middle of suffering. So what has he told us already? Like a farmer, you ought to keep working and waiting. And like a prophet now, what does he say? You ought to keep Witnessing. Look at the prophets. They witnessed to us. So you have to keep witnessing now, noticing and studying the endurance here that Job had. The perseverance of Job and seeing that the intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and very merciful. Now, let's talk about the life of Job, he's saying. When we talk about perseverance, we just studied the life of Job a few months ago. This was a man of great endurance, Who the Lord stripped him of everything, and he allowed this trial to go through it. We learn that every suffering, every trial, before it goes before us, it has already gone before the presence of God. And God approves those seasons in our lives, and he knows how much we can now handle. But his hand was upon the life of Job. But what what does Job teach us? He teaches us to keep our integrity in the middle of suffering. He didn't deny the Lord. He didn't curse God. His wife said in chapter two of Job, just curse God and die now, Job. (laughs) And he kept and maintained his integrity. In Job 27, at the end of it all, you know what Job says? Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. And that's what he's talking about. Perseverance means integrity. Look at the perseverance of Job. And you can see in Job's life that at the end of it, God used all that suffering to produce in Job a man of integrity now to produce in Job a man of character. In fact, we see here that God used Job's suffering in his life and in our life to reveal now that he is very compassionate and very merciful. How do we see that? Because God restored everything back to Job. He gave him more than what he had to begin with. He blessed him abundantly now. And he showed Job that even in the middle of suffering and even in the middle of trial, he has compassion and mercy available for us. The Lord's character and the Lord's nature now is compassionate and merciful. It's one of great comfort even in moments of suffering. This is what he's saying here in this very verse, verse 11. Notice the perseverance of Job and we've seen the end intended by the Lord. You see God's plan in it all. What is God's plan? That God never wastes suffering. God will bring out value in suffering to produce in us something that we need. And we have to ask the Lord, Lord, even in in this, this season that we're in, Lord, we want to get to know you in a new and a deeper way, Lord, so that we can be rewarded from the blessings that you have for us even right now. How is God compassionate and merciful to Job? You see, he allowed that suffering to go in his life, But he didn't allow more than what he knew that Job can handle. That's the hand of God's compassion and mercy. Notice the hand of compassion and mercy of God in your life right now. Maybe you're going through a trial and you can say, how is God compassionate and merciful right now? Well, he is now even providing for you while you go through this season. He is still protecting you while you go through this season now. He's still sustaining you with His compassion and His mercy as you His son and daughter as you're going through this season. And you see that all revealed at the end. Lord, when you let us go through that trial, notice so you can look back and say, Lord, we saw your compassion and mercy with us the whole time. Have you ever looked back and say, Lord, the only way we got through that, it was by your grace. And maybe the Lord's saying, that's exactly why I wanted to teach you my grace. Lord, the only way that I got through that was because of your compassion. And the Lord says, that's what I wanted to teach you, my compassion. (laughs) Lord, if it wasn't for your mercy, I don't know where I would be. That's exactly what I wanted to teach you, my mercy. Do you see that in every season, God has an intended plan and result at the end? And it is up to us to slow and say, Lord, I want to listen. What is your intended plan and result? Because Job was, was blessed for persevering in faith. And James, what he's doing here is reassuring us us, that, that the purpose of suffering, as it was for Job, it is for us today to know the revealed nature and character of God, his compassion and his mercy. That God is present in suffering. Please remember that. That God is present in suffering. And God will use men and women of great endurance. God will use men and women uh, of great perseverance because he's developed now godly character in them. That's what he's doing. Now, notice in verse 12, as we finish this morning. But above all, notice this, but most importantly, this is what he's telling us now. Above all, or most importantly, dear brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. He goes back to the tongue. When you're going through suffering, he says, I want you to watch how you talk. That you don't lie, or you don't exaggerate. Have you ever noticed that someone, every time they have to maybe give a, uh, make a statement, they have to add but I want to put it on this, or I I swear, or or they start to exaggerate things to add credibility to their word. And when you have to do that, when you have to add all of these things uh, to put it under an oath or swear under a, a certain object, not only is that idolatry or exaggeration or a lie, but it really shows a lack of character, a lack of sincerity in the power of your words. If you have to do that, then who is to believe you when you don't say that? (laughs) Then who is to believe you and believe your character when you're speaking them about any other thing? In fact, it's almost saying that you are not trustworthy or honest or sincere in what you're saying now. And if you're a true Christian with integrity, this is what James is saying, just say simply yes or say simply no. Because... Your words will carry a lot of weight when you're living a life of integrity. Your words will carry a lot of weight when you're living a life of integrity. When you're not living a life of integrity, what you say doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter because you're not dependable. And you start to try to make bargains. And notice when you start to do that, and you need to, to, to make a note, so you need to swear, instead of simply saying simply a yes or a no, it, re- it really betrays the power of your words and the power of your credibility now. It demonstrates that you have no weight, no integrity in what you say. And notice how he ends here, this verse, verse 12, it says, Lest you fall into judgment now. Notice that this is a sin. This is a sin. And this speaks about your character. This speaks about the ability of you walking in obedience and in humility with the Lord. It speaks about a life that is walking in in, in pride and in arrogance now. Therefore, be straightforward with your speech. Just be straightforward now. Because if you don't, you're inviting God's judgment in your life now. You see, what he's closing here in verse 12, or where we are closing here in verse 12, is talking about a person's speech now. That provides the most revealing glimpse. Now, notice this. The way you talk provides the most revealing glimpse of your spiritual condition. The way you talk provides a very quick glimpse of your spiritual condition. How are you talking today? What are the things that you're saying? You see, here when he's talking about being patient and enduring, he, he speaks that when you are patient, when you're enduring, it's also going to affect the way that you talk. Because have you noticed that those that are really patient and enduring, you know what they have? They speak less. Their words are few. Because they're learning to wait. And when you're learning to wait on the Lord, you don't have to say much. Because you're learning to listen. And here under suffering, you know what the Lord does under trials, under suffering? He's teaching us, me and you, to have a, a clear vision of Him. So that we can get to know him better. Don't get bitter, get to know him better. In this season, it's so easy of trials to become very bitter, very resentful, instead of saying, Lord, I want to use this time to get to know you better in the furnace of affliction. It's been said before: when God puts believers, his sons and daughters, in the furnace of affliction, you know what he does? is, Is he has his hand on the thermostat and his eye on the clock. And he knows how hot and he knows how long. Therefore, we have to trust him. He knows how hot it needs to get and he knows how long so that he can produce in us what he has for us. Can we pray? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus.